You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Kyler Bingham, and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. As I've been putting together today's episode, my dog Cosmo, who is the face of Salt Lake Dirt, he's been hanging out in my office, and he has a tendency to pace and to walk in circles. So if you hear a little clickety-clack, clickety-clack, that's him. Um, Now, over the summer, during the fireworks season, it, it got worse, so I got him a thing called a thunder jacket, and it's that thing is amazing. You put it on... And Cosmo just stops and he sits down and he's happy. So as we are so many months into this pandemic thing, I don't know about you, but my anxiety seems to be rising and rising. So if anyone knows of a human thunder jacket, not a Snuggie, but a thunder jacket, let me know. I want to see if it works um, for humans. Okay, I have one book recommendation for this week. And... One of my favorite authors of all time, and I don't say that lightly, this guy is Bruce Wagner, and I'm pretty sure I've read all of his published work, roughly 10 novels or so. Um, His new book is called Marvel Universe, and he did something really cool this time around. It's not published traditionally, and I guess I wouldn't even consider it published independently. He put it out into the public domain, so it's available for free. You can you can get a, a digital copy of it at brucewagner.la. And I love the idea that he just put it out into the public domain. So he has no control of what will happen in, in so many aspects of that. But I'm not too far into the book right now, but I love it. And it's on par with any of his other great books like uh, Chrysanthemum Palace, um dead oh what's that book called i don't have it right here on me dead stars i think is one of my favorites uh look him up brucewagner.la and you have no excuse not to because it's free and it's not pirating so that's amazing okay today on the podcast we have a good friend of mine uh incredible author screenwriter he teaches writing screenwriting at ucla extension and he monthly for I don't even know how long he's been doing this. He te- he teaches a writing free writing workshop at the Los Feliz Library, which that location in Los Angeles is where Leonardo DiCaprio and his family lived. There was a home there, um, but now Los Feliz Library is there. And what's one positive thing I could say that's come out of the pandemic is that Tony has um, he's continued doing the free writing workshop, but now it's available to anyone, no matter where you live in the world. You just have to go to the Los Feliz Library website and register that way. Um, I believe the next one is December 5th or 6th, so you have time to go and uh, register for that. Anyway, we talk uh, talk about some stuff. We talk about his his book, uh, Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk, and how uh, Eric Stoltz, yes, that Eric Stoltz, how he he read it, he loved it, and he made that his first um, movie directing um, project. So uh, that is on, there goes Cosmo, There, that, that is on Amazon Prime right now. Um, definitely check out Tony's work, 
And without further ado, here we go with author, uh, genius, amazing person, my friend, Tony Duchesne. Today we have Tony Duchesne, writer and uh, host of Drinks with Tony. Um, his book, Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk, is one of my favorites of the last 10 years by far. I had a friend recommend it right when it came out and I had never heard of Tony before. So I read it, absolutely loved it. And then um, Tony had every, every writer's dream come true where the movie came from the book. And it was pretty, it came pretty quick after as far as like it being, you know, uh, picked up to be made a film. Uh, so that's pretty cool, man. Um, how you been? Hey, I'm all, I feel a lot better after that uh, intro and that bio. I'm like sitting there going, oh, maybe my life doesn't suck as much as I think it does in my head. Not at all, man. You got it. You got it. You have a lot. You have a lot under your belt so far. And uh, well, maybe we could start with uh, drinks with Tony because you've been you've been putting out an episode a week for I don't even know how long now, but I know it was something you did way back in the day and you kind of rebooted it or whatever you want to call it and you've been you've been putting them out consistently in there it's an incredible show if you haven't heard it um oh thanks yeah i've heard it yeah. um <laughs> i hosted actually i hope so <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, um yeah i started it, it well i it's this weird thing i ran this uh literary magazine i'll put that quotes that's air quotes literary magazine called cherrybleeds.com which kind of got some traction from like i started it in 2000 and i killed it in 2010 but from that, I was like working my ass off trying to keep stories coming out and, you know, publish about eight writers a week. And then it turned into all monthly after I realized after 52 of those, I'm like, this is way too much work. But so don't worry, this gets to drinks with Tony. So, uh, <laughs> so I was like going, wait a second, you know, why am I doing this all for free? Why don't I see if I can get free books? What should I do to get free books? Oh, here's what I'll do. I'll do the Cherry Bleeds Book of the Month Club. And so I started that and I started writing publicists and then, um, and I got like Chuck Palahniuk's book before it came out. I was getting all these books. I didn't know they gave you like copies before they came out. And I was like, this is the best. It was like the best moment of my life. And then uh, they said, Oh, Chuck Palahniuk's going to be in town. Do you want to interview him? And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes. And um, they said, okay, what's it for? And I said, uh, um, mm, the cherry bleeds literary audio stream because podcast wasn't a word yet so uh so i got him and we had lunch and i got to record it uh and that was kind of the beginning of what became drinks with tony a year's later a year later when i was like riding my bicycle to interview someone and i went drinks with tony because i meet these guys at bars but it's usually, you know i usually meet them during the day so they're not getting back you know back when it was in person they're touring through a city they gotta be you know they did a gig the night before they're doing press the next day. They got to show up and, you know, so it's not like uh, we're all getting trashed. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, uh, and then after that, it was a radio show at Pirate Cat Radio for about three years. I was on Radio Valencia in San Francisco for about three years with that. First hour was an author. Second hour was a band. And then the movie, uh, then I just went full steam ahead to the movie, writing that. And then, uh, then it came out and I was just totally depressed, like on... I thought, oh, yeah, like when you said, oh, your dreams come true, or your, you know, it's a, dr I got the dream, uh, whatever. In the <laughs> intro, I'm like, yeah, that was a nightmare. 
but uh, but uh, but something good came out of it. And at the same time, I just felt so down and low. And I was like, what was the, what was the last time I was happy? Because I feel like shit. And I was like, I was happy interviewing writers. So I was like, you know what? I'll just make it a podcast. And then I went to my friend and I was just like, can I do you first? And he's all, yeah. And I was like, all right. And then, yeah, I just, um, we're in the hundreds now on the show. And I didn't think I was going to be able to book a guest every week. And uh, I was just, you know, and I was now it's just like i'm turning them away it's weird it's weird to go no this doesn't fit i'm sorry well i'm impressed because i mean i'm just starting out with this podcast and i don't know how you're able to do one a week and have it consistent i mean it's so that's impressive to me and i mean i mean and you have good writers too i mean a lot of these people um i'd never heard of before which is really cool and then i end up getting i end up getting their book and i love it so you're turning me on to some good good literature out there for sure and that's why I had to keep the name Drinks with Tony because that's the, what the publicists of these, um, the companies knew. The mm-hmm. publicists at the publishers, it, when I say I'm Drinks with Tony, they know, oh, wait, you're the guy that we used to send writers to for the San Francisco Beats. When I used to, you know, I also wrote for the San Francisco Chronicle. So immediately it just like a barrage of books started coming in there. So. Nice. Yes. Yeah, when I, when I interviewed uh, Stephen J. Schwartz, he said, because he wrote that book um, or put together that book, Hollywood versus the Author. Yeah, he said something like, "Yeah, be careful what you wish for." I mean, you know, every every writer's dream is to make a movie, and it is. I'm sure it's an amazing thing, but there's so many more facets that, you know, you're not going to know it until you go through it. I would imagine. It's. Have you ever had a uh, what they that call that exam where they check your prostate with their finger? Not yet. I haven't been that fortunate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, for some odd reason, they started doing it when I was in my 20s. I guess this doctor must have liked me. Maybe. Because I went to another doctor, and, she, and I'm like, oh, we don't do the uh, the thing in the butt, you know, because this is a thing I've been, you know, wanting to avoid. And she's like, no, you've done that before? I'm like, yeah, I used to get it done every year. She's like, well, that's a uh... – anyway, but it's weird because when you get that exam, it just feels totally invasive. It feels like there's just this huge rocket ship going up your asshole. But then they then they touch the prostate for a second and pull out, and then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> I feel really connected to you. And there's it's that's kind of what a dream coming true is, where it's just like you're like, oh wow, my massage, my prostate has been massaged through my asshole, and that really hurt. But I think I need to cuddle. I think I need <laughs> something came from that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just took my dog, my bigger dog, to get his dog his um his uh his asshole his anus <laughs> expressed and um expressed what does that mean that means you stick um they squeeze something on their gland i don't understand it fully but they have to get it done like twice a year otherwise it's when you know, you've seen dogs like drag their ass yeah, on the yeah, ground. yeah so or they lick it a lot so uh they stick their finger in it and squeeze the gland and then usually some shit kind of scoot like shoots out oh and they're like a brand new dog they feel like he is like a puppy again he's so excited and happy and he um what kind of sick pervert wants to do that job a veterinarian yeah wow <laughs> what do you want to do i want to stick my finger in a dog's asshole i want to express but the, but the, dogs. But the look on his face the, the look, look on, on his face. face after i do it is just <laughs> express i mean what a what a what a i term. know what to express yeah <laughs> I'm going to use that as, you know, if I was single right now, I'd use that as a pickup line. Ex- like, do, you, do, you, do you want to use the express line? And she'd be like, oh my God, you have a commuter card? And I'll be like, oh. <laughs> well, 
She uh, said yes. That's... She said yes, Mr. <laughs> Judge. <laughs> um, let's see. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about the pandemic. Uh, yes. Know, so I'm fully aware. Are you? Have you heard of this thing? Apparently. <laughs> apparently. This is impacting a lot of people. Uh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. But <laughs> no, but I, I've been asking writers like, how has this um, impacted you? And um, you know, you're writing. Some people have said it's like it's actually helped them, or some well, people. Fuck them because I'm not in that. <laughs> okay, so it's either they help them. They help. It's been helping them. It's been like horrible. They can't write at all. Or some are like, well, this is how I live my life anyway. So there's really not much difference. I got, a I got a little bit of live my life anyways out of it. So uh -huh. I do have that because I, 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 it just, but it threw me off my routine and I've been very routine oriented where I, I, I never, I try not to create at home. I try to create when I'm at a cafe or I'm outdoors all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's when I'm doing my first drafts. And then I come home and then I transcribe those. I handwrite and I transcribe those into the computer and then I print them out. And then the next day I'm at the cafe with my draft and I'm doing red lines and other. So I kind of have a system and I kind of like to be in a cafe atmosphere because people irritate me. And then people also like, you know, I love seeing people I know. I like the cafe lifestyle. So it, it killed that. It killed that for me. That's, and uh, which I'm still like grieving a little, but, we, but fortunately we have some, we got some cafes opened up uh, in Los Angeles now, but it's just not the same because you got to keep that mask on and you're not, you're not, you're not stuck sitting with someone that you may actually become a friend with or you want to kill. And I just, <laughs> I, I love the, I love the potential of either. I, you know, if I have homicidal thoughts, great for writing. If I make a friend, great for writing too. And I have a new friend. So that's been the hard part of it. I try to give my, I was beating myself up at the beginning of it. And then I just kind of went, you know what? If I do 30% or 40% of my productivity than what I was doing before this, don't sweat it. Just don't. I, I decided to stop feeling bad about not putting in as many hours as I normally do. So. Right. No, that's good. I mean, when I, I was working on my stuff and I just hit, I hit a wall because I thought I was, it was going to be amazing because I'm like, oh, I don't have to go into work every day. I'm just going to knock out all the stuff. And I hit a wall. And then I kept like, I think overthinking about, because my book was going to take place in 2020 and um which is not big of i'll just move it back a year or two it's not a big deal right. but but um I'm like well i can't do that um, first week of march exactly so but i was i was having a hard time because it is so all-consuming even if you don't want it to be i mean you can't you can't break away from it at least i haven't been able to so it's hard to um picture life before <laughs> sometimes yeah. Yeah, I was I was watching um I watched Charlie Kaufman's new movie uh I'm thinking of leaving or something like that. What's it called? Oh, I I didn't even know he had a new one out. Yeah. Nice. Um, and I'm just like, oh wow, there's these people in a room that are they're together. Oh wow, she just <laughs> kissed him. You know, it's like you see someone kiss on TV, and I get an automatic oh. boner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, people don't do that. <laughs> no, I know it's like people are like close to each other, and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how we're gonna go back to normal. <laughs> yeah, I I don't either. Uh, there, well, there is no. I mean, this just this changes everything. So, I just hope we. I hope we, as a human collective, we learn some lessons from this. I doubt we will. 
but I hope I learned some lessons from this and come out a better person. I don't know if I will or not either, because it's uh, pretty brutal. Yeah, I think I think my dogs have taught me a lot, especially during this time period, because they're they're happier than they've ever been because I was around all the time, and they they're oblivious <laughs> to it, and they're so happy. And I'm like, I need to. I don't know if I just need to be stupid like a dog or live in the moment a little more. I mean, they, there's some Zen stuff going on with some of these dogs for sure. Well, that's the beauty of a dog is they totally live in the moment. That's why we need dogs. Cause yeah. they're just, that's, they're, they're just, they, they remind you, Hey, I got to take a shit. That's all I got to do. And that's all I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about my 401k right now. I just got to take a shit. Can we get some of that express stuff? Do I get have that to go to that? Yeah. <laughs> You score me some express? Ah, that's the worst. And I tried to express myself because I was like, I'm just going to do it. Save, save a few oh, bucks. So on I got dog. On on the dog. Not myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I, do that, I do that weekly on myself, but, <laughs> <laughs> but my dog was not having it. it. had the rubber glove and everything, and it just it couldn't. Well, it's too intimate. Yeah. Then he's got he's got to see you the next day. So it's, he's probably it's thinking, awkward. That's what he's not living in the present. He's just like he goes to the. It's almost like you you know like I've never been to a hooker, but let's just say you go to a hooker and you do some really weird stuff and you walk away. And you're like, I can never do that with a girl. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Did I just admit I never been to a hooker? I'm, that's a good. That's a. That's okay. I don't even know what it means. Yeah. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah it's big news yeah, yeah. well I'll be, at the, I'll be at the wrong end of a hashtag on that it'll be Tony Duchesne hates sex workers and I'll be like cancel him cancel, cancel him. this guy what an like, you can't cancel nothing from nothing so ha. <laughs> that I mean I guess that's the beauty of uh, you know I think the higher you get up in like whatever that you just get torn down right <laughs> yeah I don't know and then you look at people like um I, I think it. I think well. There's part of it is you. Got, I feel like is being a solid person. So you look at people like Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, who they try to take down, but they're they have such an authenticity and they've had to they've had to hit this comedy from such a struggle, that they have they're constantly battling with why am I telling this joke? Why am I telling this joke? This joke needs to be funny. They're they're already they've been thinking about it and dissecting it, and breathing and living it for decades. And you can't take those guys down. It's, there's nothing to take down. Well, no, like I think I, I think I remember Bill Burr talking about how it drives him nuts is when he's like working out um, a routine and he's you know it's he's at the club unannounced and then people record him and they're they're all laughing in the moment and then afterwards someone posts it and they flip out like he's such an asshole and he said this and right he's like I'm working stuff out like first off like you can leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's, I, I think that'll get straightened out. I interviewed uh, uh, Judy Gold. She just wrote a book about that, um, about cancel culture and comedy. Ooh, nice. And um, it, was, uh, it, was great. it was great to talk to her. That, that comes out in a few weeks. But uh, it, it was just like, you, you know, I, you're a comedian. You have to go work out your material. You have to be, you have to offend. You have to find the line. And right. nobody wants to be offended anymore. You know, I remember the day I, I still get offended and I enjoy being offended because then I could talk to my friends and go, well, that's offensive. But I, I don't go running out there trying to bring a, to, trying to topple somebody down. Right. Because they're an asshole. It's, it's like, I, there's, um, there's a sick, twisted power in the collective mob of canceling. 
that some people do need to be canceled. I mean, there is Harvey Weinstein's of the world, but Bill Cosby, sure. yeah. you know, Bill Cosby broke my heart. Bill Cosby yeah. does, had done a lot for comedy. And now he's a piece of shit. It really sucks. And there's a lot of baggage, but it's just like, don't, I don't understand why we have to topple down. They have to topple down everything, you know? Yeah. It's like, the, the, the guy at the top the guy at taco bell did this no more in Cheritos, no more right Cheritos. well then it's like you get you get scared like even saying anything yourself like i was talking i interviewed a guy a while uh, just a couple weeks ago and we were talking about a certain person who's been canceled and we were going we kind of went on a little too long probably about how much we love this guy <laughs> or love his work yeah and then he's like maybe uh we should probably cut <laughs> some of that out oh do you edit this not usually, no. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, yeah, um, maybe I will. That was just our I, private I conversation. Love, I love not editing, and I don't. I never edit drinks with Tony, um, and I just. It's because um, we get to. It's it's still a dare. We, we we get to have a conversation, and we have to take responsibility for everything we say. Right. Um, not complete responsibility. I'm a dipshit. I don't know a lot of things. So I'm going to be ignorant, but that's how we get to the good stuff. You know, this, we're having a first draft conversation here that yeah. um, if, if we were running for politics, we would like run it through a staff of people to get exactly what the point across was. And it'll be two minutes, but whatever. Yeah. And that's boring. You know, I, th- I, I like know. I don't want the people. homogenized vanilla, you know, not to, not to oppress chocolates, but chocolate too. <laughs> And maple, whatever other flavor everyone to be mad about. That's one of my triggers. Don't mention maple. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hate those maple people. Fucking Canadians. <laughs> we can edit that out, right? Because I have a lot of Canadian friends in the entertainment. Oh no, I just interviewed a Canadian, so we he'll he, he'll, get him. he'll get it. He'll get it. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? His name is uh, uh Steve Markle. He's a filmmaker. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, I was like, have you uh? So I'm like, does the news really like? Does what happens down here go up to go to you guys? Like, kind of partially like joking, partially wondering. And he's like, "Oh, we see what you're doing. We see what you're doing. <laughs> we see what's happening down there." Because they had like in Toronto, um, I think there's four million people there. He said, "How many people do you think uh, um, had co- like had COVID yesterday? How many people were diagnosed with it?" And, I'm like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, like 700 or I don't, I had no clue. And he's like one, we had one person <laughs> yesterday oh, in a, in, in Toronto, in a city of 4 million, only one had it for one day, yeah. so, which is like here in Utah, we're having, we have 500, you know, a day easy. I hear you can get it from dogs assholes. That's what I yeah. hear. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was stupid. Um, the, uh, I took you a second. <laughs> Great. Now <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot what I was gonna bring up, but uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, oh, when is this gonna? Will this air after the election? Is that how? It how will it? actually. Yeah. So this will oh, be like. The, oh, so let's pretend like this isn't recorded. We'll be like, how the, how was that election, dude? What pretty. I've never seen anything quite like that. Oh my god, <laughs> that election's crazy. Did not see it coming. Crazy pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this will be the first week of december oh cool yeah this will be when everything's like settled down so i'm kidding maybe. i'm kidding this is when the riots are going to be escalating so I, I better like set this up so it'll come out because we may be gone you know yeah it'll come out to the four <laughs> human beings that are left on earth <laughs> and camilla harris 
<laughs> this will be the last one. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we laughed because we're trying not to cry, people. Yeah, I can't even think about it. I don't have I don't have the bandwidth for this. Brutal, man. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just all I'm doing. I don't. Uh, whatever happens, or whatever has happened. I mean, I'm just. I'm gonna duck. I'm just ducking. <laughs> I, I got to work on things. I can't be, uh, everyone's a political pundit now, you know, you get on social media and it's just like, even when someone dies, it's just like, you know, Samantha Byrne died and I loved her work. And I'm like, you don't even know who Samantha Byrne is. She was born in 1928. But all of a sudden everyone's a em em empath. And it's like, they want to get a jump on the news. And I'm just like, you are not Noah Trevor, Trevor Noah. You're not the daily show and you don't, yeah, you don't just stop. Uh, yeah I, uh, I yeah i had to pull back a bit on social media i just you know occasionally i'll post a picture of my dogs and um i saw I, that one today that was a cute yeah one. cute dog like your sock oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks it yeah, matched yeah. it matched her uh her marty mcfly jacket you know <laughs> yeah oh is that a marty mcfly jacket that's what i thought when i bought it that's yeah funny. <laughs> but yeah um are you reading anything good these days i'm reading catcher in the rye I think I saw you post that. Yeah, yeah. I have that. I have that same um, edition that you yeah. have. So yeah, I'm about 200 pages in, coming to the end. And uh, I read it once when I was 30. I'm reading it again 20 years later, and um, I'm taking it. I, I I needed to read it again. I I never got to read it in high school because growing up a Jehovah's Witness, it's right. You know, I, you don't get to read that much other than Bible tracts. I well, I read that as a Jehovah's Witness. I read that when I was oh, like, I never when I was like it, nineteen yeah. twenty. I loved it. So I'd be curious yeah. to read it now that I'm almost forty, you know, twice my age. Yeah. I wish I kinda wish I read it at nineteen twenty. I think you know, I would have been a uh but I you know, I really wasn't reading then. I was in I was a pioneer. I was in pioneer school. I was I was reading bound volumes and getting ready for public talks. So <laughs> I guess I was the I was the bad I wasn't really the bad one and I guess people should know we were both raised Jehovah's Witnesses so if the bound volume goes over your head that's a that's a little inside <laughs> I know the lingo <laughs> I, that's one of the beauties of uh, being an ex Jehovah's Witness and talking to someone like you I get to meet someone like you and it's just like we say words like bound volume RV uh, you know and it, and it just rolls off our tongues and we're just like oh it's like, so like remember when we used to speak French we could speak French to each other it's a shorthand yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we know it no no it is it's like you it's like we grew up together in a way you know it's yeah. funny when you when you meet someone that has such a specific background it's, it's pretty cool well it almost pisses me off because then it gives me gratitude for growing up a Jehovah's Witness and I, yeah. that kind of throws me <laughs> off it, I'm like wait what well, some of the coolest people I've met, like, you know, like you and, and then Jerry Minor, um, yeah. comedian, you know, incredible, like amazing stories, but just like, we would have been friends when we were active. <laughs> right. You know? Oh, cause there was a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of assholes and they, and they continue to be assholes when they leave. A lot yeah. of them do. So, oh my God, the preachy one was the Ooh. one with it. Yeah. I hate the elder cadence. You see some of these people and they, they um, I, I, I watched some dude's YouTube channel and it wasn't like Lloyd Evans or anyone like that. It was somebody uh, else. And the guy's just talking about that, about the Jehovah's Witnesses, but he's talking exactly like a Jehovah's Witness elder who's at the assembly going, brothers, we need to stop this Jehovah's Witness bullshit. <laughs> and I'm just going, oh my God, can you get the cadence? Like, 
<laughs> that's funny well let me ask you about the the book i know you're probably sick of talking about oh no it's never. i I, it, I got i got a thing out there i'm not sick of talking about okay it. I'm good talking about it, yeah. and i and i may have asked you this like just in private conversations but i think one of the things because i've read the book i think i read it like three or four times jesus christ um, yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a great book and it's it's a it's a quick read and i mean that as a compliment like you can just settle into it and like thank you yeah that's the plan that's you know it's right. harder to write a quick read than it is to it's that's it's pretty brutal i've, I've found that the page turners you talk to authors and they're just like oh my god this just it like, killed me to write this right it always seems breezy so yeah no so i think one one thing that that's, that really um pulled me in like, i had a friend recommend it when i think around i want to say 2011 2012 is when i read it so, and, and was it brought to you in kind of a secretive way where it's like, <laughs> have you read this extra Hobo's Witness? Guy? No, he, I mean, it was kind of just like, he, um, he just like, oh, you should read this book. Um, it's really funny. And I think, oh, okay. I think like, cause he, he, he was suicide's funny. That's fucked up. It's no, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, he, he was just like, so I went out and I bought a, I bought a copy of it. Because he he had lent it to someone, and then the friend never gave it back, uh, which is why I hate lending books. I, if I lend a book, I'm like, it's gone. I'm gonna be okay with it be, never coming back. Oh, exactly. I can't mm. I can't lend books out. I give books away. Yeah, that's smart. And if it's personal copies and I got marks in them and everything, they don't go out. They don't go outside. Yeah, uh, but I was gonna say like the book is it does like it is such a specific um, subset group that you know not many people are really familiar with the religion and um so i've read a lot of stuff put out by people connected to it and it and it's not it's not very good <laughs> it's not it really and, uh, sucks and it pisses me off because it does a whole disservice to people reading uh, jehovah's witness stories and it's pissed me off even since the book came out because i'm just like going there's just utter shit out there so when people yeah. see a jehovah's witness book they're gonna go oh great here's another piece of shit so. But I think like what I was gonna say is that it's like before it, I re- it, before interrupted you with my <laughs> anger, you didn't interrupt. But it's like, well, first you don't really know. Like if you if I just saw this, I would not have no idea. The title itself wouldn't have like I would have been drawn to it, but I wouldn't have thought like Jesus jerk. Um, not until I started like flipping through it and looking at the back. But I think it, it just is like it's a good story. So which is why I mean I think any writer that's what you could only hope for. But I think it does cross over to. Like anyone can pick this up and enjoy it. They don't have to have the, a similar background to, to enjoy it. Um, you know, cause there is a lot of stuff that I think if we, we have the background and only, uh, only we could maybe, maybe get some kind of, like we could laugh about it, we could joke about it, we could enjoy it. But this is like, um, like I've actually given this copy, not, I've, I've given copies to like a, a librarian friend of mine with, he grew up a Mormon. Um, but anyone really. So I guess that's a, my long-winded way of saying it's just a damn good book. I think it it just can, it can connect did, with anyone. Yeah, I didn't write it for extra hope witnesses. I was right. writing it to create a really to create the best story I could about kind of loosely based on my life. But I wanted to create identity for myself, and and at the same time, I wanted to win book awards. And you know, I didn't yeah. really win any, but that was I was <laughs> going for that. I wasn't going for um extra homeless witnesses uh coming yeah. to sleep with me even though that did happen <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah xjw groupies huh oh yeah. 
They're crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like it's a damn good book, and uh, I just I want more. I want I want something else from you <laughs> at, at some point. Oh, so, I know. Yeah, I'm working on a couple things. I'm losing yeah. my. I'm, I mean, I have another Jehovah's Witness narrative that um, is very that's different, and a little older. That's not. It's a little less about me and more about people who stay in. So uh, yeah, no, I think and just a slice of life of it, not um, yeah. not judging it. So uh, well, that's the thing. Like I think that like, and I think you would probably agree with me. Is like a like a good movie, a good uh, a good book, whatever. Is not it's not preachy. I, I hate like a like a like a moral tell, <laughs> like telling me. Yeah. Like I hate it. I hate it. It's like it's it's lazy writing, and um, it's self righteous, and a lot of the stuff that we really hate <laughs> that we've been yeah. exposed to over time. So. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, I, it's, you know, I want the moral of the story to be kind of vague. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just like, when the story ends, it's like, oh, huh. Well, I got to get on with my life. I, that was, but that was a nice journey. Yeah. You know, I yeah. don't feel like I was robbed of six hours. I feel all right. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it clearly worked because Eric Stoltz took interest in it. Mm -hmm. And he's the one who directed the film. Yeah. Um, maybe you could talk a bit about how that, all came about yeah well it was i i was working with another production company that had just released a film called half Nel not half nelson they did half nelson too they released okay. a film called blue valentine yeah they were trying to veer toward uh tv so they optioned the book first and i worked with them to put a pilot together and a um, series bible together and i kind of learned how to take notes from producers through that so by the time eric showed interest and said, "Hey, take a crack at the um, at a treatment, a screen, you know, synopsis." And he's and he was just kind of kind of like, "We can't lose this voice, so we we do need you as the writer." And uh, in my and uh, because this book was my baby, this book was putting a what I thought was closing the identity of my uh, Jehovah's Witness self. No, it was just, it, just <laughs> it, it didn't do that job at all. But. Um, it just made me realize, oh, wait, I have to accept that. But by the time it got to, um, I don't know, I lost my thought. But by the time it got to him, he really wanted me lovingly and beautifully to be a part of it. You know, and it took me a little while to just kind of go, oh, fuck. The, the guy, I was just excited. He was, I learned he was reading my book. I learned there was interest. And, um, and I was just, and I was, I remember that weekend, I'm like, my book is on Eric Stoltz. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. The guy from some kind of wonderful and pulp fiction is reading my book. Yeah. And then, um, and you end up working together and then you, you know, and the beauty of that is you go through the ups and downs of, you know, good times and conflict, everything that needs to be done to get a story told to get on the screen. So I learned a lot from Eric. I'm, I'm very grateful to, to him. Yeah, so he's been like involved in every facet for decades. I mean, so he, yeah, he I got to shadow shit. him. Uh, I got to shadow his last uh, gig directing on Madam Secretary uh, in November. Nice, it's a blast. It, it was. It's funny because it kind of we like sunk right back into the groove of just being like kind of two dorky dudes excited about <laughs> uh, excited about scenes and disgusted with uh, how some things work. And I got to see the the conflicts on their tv show crew and you know cast and go oh cool it's all yeah. the same that's cool because yeah. i mean that show didn't end recently but it, it had been on for a while so they probably had a good like 
a, an entire unit of like a family there. They did. They had um, on because they the writers and the showrunner were in Los Angeles, and the production and cast were in New York. Uh, and I think it was by the second season, uh, Eric was brought on. I think as a co-producer, and then he and then he was executive producer. I think by the second season, and that's when they kind of got rid of the people who weren't in it for the passion. So it was just so much fun to be with that crew because mm -hmm. it, it was like everyone was there. And it's just like, if you're the lighting guy, it, you were the best lighting guy ever. And that's all you ever wanted to do with your life. Yeah. You, you were just around a bunch of people who were just, they were there to do what they loved. And it was just, yeah, I, that was the best part of it. I learned a lot, but at the same time, I was going, oh my God, I love you guys. You're gorgeous. That's cool. Show me, show me the props again. How excited <laughs> you are about the props. And wardrobe <laughs> comes in. We got this and this. What do you think? And I'm just like, oh yeah, wardrobe's excited. Yeah, that's a nice, I, I love that. Cause I remember like when I was a teenager and they still do here, but there's like a lot of, in Salt Lake, they film a lot of um, like Disney type live action stuff. And yeah. um, I was on the set of a couple shows and just like how miserable <laughs> some of the, the, the crew yeah. was. I mean, they just like, their face just showed like they, like they didn't, they probably had a real passion for film, TV back in the day and, and, and i don't get they, the career part yeah when, no. when it's when it's a career when they're, they're trying to put in their hours so they can get that bump up in the union mm -hmm. and i've talked to those people i live in la i thought you know they're just they hate their jobs you know and, and i'll talk to like casting directors and stuff and those be like uh you know they just want out they want the next thing they they're looking towards one day getting that check so they can go move somewhere and write a novel it's just right like, never gonna happen quit your job now yeah it's yeah it's like a Get job that, it's like a job that us regular folk you know i've had plenty of jobs that i just i hated it was like drudgery to go yeah to work I every day do that in the, it's the worst film yeah. industry <laughs> yeah I, I used to you know i used to throw boxes at ups i've done you know a ton of jobs yeah it's, you know i was a temp for as a secretary uh, that's what we used to call them the stewardesses and the secretaries but um, yeah but it's just, it's just like but those jobs those jobs actually were really good for me because i got to learn certain things that made me a lot more money that then i got the hell out of there yeah no same here like i worked i did um a stint at the long beach airport loading bags and that yeah. was like you know, it was, it was kind of grueling. I had to get up at four in the morning to get out there. Oh, yeah. and, and it was like, but I learned, I learned a lot and not about like that industry at all. Just like the, you know, like the, I worked with a lot of guys from Compton and, and it was just a, yeah. it was an interesting, like I learned, I just learned a, a shitload about different kinds of people that I'd, I'd never been exposed to live, growing up in. in yeah. Very I, was the to, I was the token white at the, uh, <laughs> at UPS in East Palo Alto. Yeah. Uh, up there and it was just like it was fantastic i would drive up and i was i, I remember i had a i was listening to public enemy a lot uh -huh. and i this one black dude came out he's like who is that i'm like public enemy you never heard of him he's like no i'm like one borrow the tape he's like yeah <laughs> he, he was all public enemy after that he got uh, that's by great white. Yeah. that's that's awesome <laughs> yeah well i like so i lived <laughs> i gotta tell you the story this is just, i'm gonna forget but yeah, it's, yeah. it's so funny so uh, i was going to work one morning so it's like dark and our apartment complex had a back, uh, like a back gate to go out to an alley. And we had a it was street parking. So um, I go out that way. I'm heading to my car about halfway down the alley. And you know, when there's like, it's like dead silent. And then you hear 
like a car. So like a car drives by behind me on the street. So not in the alley, but then I hear it stop. And then I hear it go into reverse and it starts coming down the alley at me and it turns its lights off and oh. it's, it's dark. So I like, I freak out and I start running and then I hop a fence. Um, that was like a real estate um, office. I hop this like brick fence and there's a cop with a gun <laughs> pointed directly at me. And then the cut, so the, the car that was coming turns out it was a cop car. Um, but there's cops on the other side. Um, so they, they, they stopped me. The guy had a gun. I think he realized pretty quick. I'm wearing like all jet blue, <laughs> like outfit and all blue, not a crip and the jet blue. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Those aren't the colors. Is this the colors of this neighborhood? I don't know. Exactly. We have, so we have powder well, blue. Oh, and they like, it was just funny. Cause, um, most of them, I'm not going to like, it was just interesting because they, they didn't rough me up or anything, but they were like, they were, they were pretty, they were assholes to me and uh -huh. like, like just cursing at me and pushing me down on the hood of the, of the car. They were searching. It was like totally unnecessary. And then, um, and I was like, what is happening? And I had my, I had my keys in my hand. So when he, he had the gun on me, I threw my keys because I didn't want them to think that I had something in my hand because it was dark. So I just like went like that. I'm up like that. Hands are up. They put me on the hood of the car. And then I'm like, what i'm like he's like why did you run why'd you fucking run from me i'm like well i didn't know you were a cop and the car comes blazing down the alley yeah. with its lights off and so they kept me for like 15 20 minutes and um and then they're like running my plates and just kind of there's like by the time it was all said now there's like five or six cop cars there no exaggeration they're like on it immediately and i'm like what's happening like why am i being detained and they're just like, well, well there's like, you know, there's like a robbery. There's like a break in down the street. So we were just trying to find anyways, get your car. It's, it's a, uh, cause I still had Utah plates. So like, get that fixed right away. And they oh. kind of let me go. And so I was like shaky. Cause I'm like yeah. skinny, skinny, like 20, 22 year old white Utah. Yeah. At, um, right. How long have you been to Long Beach at that time? How long were you? Not that you long, maybe like three or four months. Yeah. You're just um, like, don't go to California. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so like, but the best part was, so, um, so I got to work late at, uh, it's one of those jobs where they don't, they, they don't care. They don't give a shit. It's like you clock in, you're late and they don't care why you're late. It's like, you're late. Like that's a strike against you. Right. But me, me and this other dude, this black guy who lived in Compton, he, um, we'd go pick up the mail that would go on the flights to New York. And so every morning we'd take a van and go to the post office and pick up a bunch of like um, boxes of mail. So I was telling him the story and uh, it was just, he was, he was just like cracking up. He was laughing so hard, like, oh my God, like I wish, I wish I could see that. And he was just like, he was just howling. And then like, we got back to the airport he's telling everyone else his, you know, um, every you know all the, all the other black dudes that we'd work with and they're they're yeah. just like cracking up they're like man now you know now you know what it's like to be yeah. us like every day yeah and, and he was like then that sounded tame too they didn't like smack exactly anything so that was like yeah it was pretty tame but it was it scared me to death and, and it's it was an like eye opener because there's people that gotta like you know i mean yeah with this police brutality stuff it's you know it's brutal it's it's right it's well that was to be a suspect just because of your color you know i'm like officer i, I think you're mistaken like but it, <laughs> did you have a fake english accent right away yeah. like hello officer <laughs> but, it, but it was just so funny and they're just like yeah man 
I mean, they're like, you got a tiny, tiny taste yeah. <laughs> of my life. <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's the beauty of it. Cause you went through it and then they all get to laugh at it. Cause they're like, oh my God, white, white guy over here did it and then like you know, crying then, laughing like yeah and they're like you don't even and then they kind of explain to you look this is what we get a lot and you got off easy yeah and it's just like that's when you can go that's when we have empathy for each other and we go oh right now yeah. i get it now i get it you know and if it had been one of them you know it could have gone really sideways yeah. fast no and throw you throw your keys and it hits one cop in the shin <laughs> and all of a sudden that's like assault against a police officer yeah <laughs> but that like that was like an indelible memory um yeah. moving to southern california <laughs> one of the early days down there yeah it's <laughs> it was, paradise in california and you're yeah, like good. jamming down the street getting chased by the cops <laughs> <laughs> well so so you pick up the mail and then you and uh is that like a mail going from one post office to another is that how so they sync we, it up? We, we pick it up at the, like this big long beach um um post office and they were just big bins like you know just with the um with the handles plastic and we'd put them in the front um luggage compartment so kind of separate from the luggage but it's basically luggage so it would just get to new york if it was something sent to the east coast you know, to get to New York and just a flight. So, yeah. um, but that was always nice because we could get coffee and kind of like be a little slow. Make it oh, totally. Back. Yeah, Those, that was great. That, that's how you do those jobs. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, I, you know, I kind of went off there, but it's like you learn a lot from these. Um, and I think as a writer, you probably, I mean, I know I've pulled a lot from just like different kinds of people I've met. So I used to beat myself up really bad. Like, oh man, I've been, I'm, I got a late start to this and I still have a long ways to go and I'm still, you know, I'm still not there, but you know, I had a life before. So I think a lot of that can go, goes into your writing. If you take it from a, you know, you look at it from that perspective, it's actually oh, yeah. a good no, thing. It's, there's a lot of juicy, lots of juicy stuff to pull from. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Very I cool. feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm always writing about the same thing. Just my, uh, my crisis of identity. It's just like, <laughs> seems to be the thing that just keeps coming out uh you know thinly veiled as other things so. yeah no that's great well, what was that guy's name is he uh i think we talked about a quite a while back but he's written like is he from like norway or sweden and he's written like 10 books my struggle oh um, carl Ove. Like, carl overwrite there you it's go carl, carl <laughs> o. i just call him carl overwrite yeah <laughs> i'm like that guy, I, haven't, I haven't read his stuff i mean i hear it's good but that's a so lot I, about well, yourself I read the first one uh -huh. Yeah, and I and I got through half of it, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool! I, it's I can really get into Norwegian literature about nothing." There's there's this uh, author I like, Dag Solstad. Uh, okay. I think that's how yeah Solstad, and um and he writes about nothing but their small books, 175 mm -hmm. pages of nothing, and I'm like, "Thank you." <laughs> and then you read Carl Ove, and you're just like, oh, "Okay, he kind of goes there." But then his ego is just, uh, that guy's just jacking off on the pages. <laughs> and it blows my mind how the literary community and the reviewing literary community is just like, he's the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, he's only great because you get to reference what happened in volume six on page 32 with your like 10 yeah. friends who could all giggle about it. But you had to spend so many hours to get to that goddamn page. It's like if you a, don't pretend yeah. it's good. You're you you just realize you're light. You you suck at like your time management. <laughs> yeah, it's like a superiority. It's like you know I know that band. I knew that band before they before they yeah. made it. You know that kind of thing. Oh, it's like trying to read <laughs> Infinite Jest. Everyone's just at, 
people are on my ass. I gave it, I gave it 200 pages the first time. I'm like, no. And then again, I came to LA and, and, and people are like, oh no, you have to read it. Oh, you only read 200. You got it. And so I didn't. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not doing it. It's, it's a piece of shit. I probably have started that book five times. I have it behind yeah. me right here, but I started it five times. You have a fireplace? Uh, it's good. I should, it's like, it's, <laughs> it'll last a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I've gotten that 200 page mark about there. I've gotten a lot. I think I got a 300 once. This is over yeah. the course of like 15 years. I've gone like off and on. I'm like, yeah. But that, you know, I don't think, I don't think it should be that much work <laughs> to have no, to read it, something. Letters in Penthouse Forum is probably more literary than a lot of what's in there. It's just, yeah. Why? Well, I, I mean, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I love David Foster Wallace's uh, essays. And, yeah. Um, and his, you know, his stuff where he's not jacking off on the page. <laughs> Him and Carl Overwrite, you know, they, oh my God, if they could have just 69 each other, we wouldn't be subjected to any of those books. <laughs> Well, I always wonder, like, uh, like if any of these books, and I'm not saying it's they're not good, but I'm saying just like timing has a lot to do with right. with anything really. And yeah. so it's like, would if would Infinite Jest be able to be published in 2020? And I don't know, prob- probably, probably, <laughs> yeah, uh, probably not. What what was that? The mid 90s? I mean, that was like when Dave Eggers and that whole crew was just getting all chummy, and it was yeah, it was the whole like intellectual slacker the intellectual slacker was in it's just right. like send us your headshot first and then can you just write us like way too verbose overriding things and we'll see if you fit so yeah and, yeah it's interesting yeah so it's i'm passionate about story my friend <laughs> <laughs> um well you teach so maybe we could we could kind of wrap up soon but i wanted to talk about like your uh so you teach at ucla ucla extension and then you also do workshops here and there mm-hmm. so you've you know you you teach quite a bit or you have over yeah, the yeah, over yeah. the years so what would you Pretty say much every quarter i teach at least one okay class, yeah. nice so I, I would say um you have a lot of like new writers coming to you mm-hmm. um and what would you like what do you think is like a good piece of advice you give new writers or what is something um that you kind of see over and over again that a new writer is maybe struggling with i don't know if that makes sense it totally makes sense i mean i've been teaching screenwriting this year because i was teaching novel for a really long time and now it's been screenwriting and um the what what students have told me that like have really helped them in the class is then they're just like oh my god you changed how i feel what i think about writing especially in screenwriting because they're kind of coming at it like we're trying to give you the wow idea we're trying to give you the wow idea and i'm like you know what that's fine but but step back and you, and just realize that um, that you're your own identity and really kind of take charge of who you are. Because if I gave you an outline, if I gave 15 of you an outline of the story you needed to tell, you'd give me 15 completely different stories because of exactly how old you are right now, the environment you grew up in, every everything you're bringing it, you're bringing all your um, experience and baggage to the story, and it's and just love it and indulge in it and feel, but do, but do it from your heart. And um, don't, don't, try, don't try to be clever or don't try to be above. And a, a lot of times it's just, a lot of times, especially with people who have like MFAs and never got a book out of their MFAs, I find out, you know, just like they went the academic route. And it's like, mm. you, lose the, you can lose the creativity that way. You can lose that spark. Uh, be, be okay to go jump in the mud with barefoot. You know, just <laughs> get that kid to back out because we are storytellers. 
and kids will tell you stories for days. You know, they're not interesting most of the time, but, <laughs> but it's that get that urgency that kids have to tell you stories with our experience. And mm-hmm. it's, the, it's, that's where the beauty is, is not kind of like wanting to craft and do the best you can. And also knowing that the best you can do, the, the most perfect draft you can do is not a perfect draft someone else can do, but you know that you got your perfection out of it. Right. Is that no. anywhere near your question? That no, I, you nailed it. That's, that was exactly <laughs> word for word. But I do have to say though, so like, um, you know, you're a friend, but I also consider you a bit of a mentor. I mean, you. Oh, if, if, no, I mean, <laughs> it's true because. Now I got uh, a responsibility to our relationship. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. I don't want that kind of mentor. <laughs> I don't want someone to express me. Don't worry. Am I? Am I your Robin Williams to your Matt Damon? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> It's not You've your never fault. smelled the Sistine Chapel on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> but no, seriously, like with um, because I took a workshop from you a few years ago, and uh, like I was just and I, I do you still need your money back? You keep bugging. Yeah, me can I that. get that back, please? <laughs> it was it was the one. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to bring this up on live taping after the election. <laughs> so you um, you made me like, like. I wouldn't say I'm okay with it now, but I'm, I am, I'm willing to just like let people read something where I would write and I would never let anyone, it was very guarded. I'm not like shoving my work around to everybody, but if I'm taking a class, like I would never have taken a class a few years ago um, Uh or a workshop like that. So you kind of got me in a pretty, pretty quick in those, uh, in those sessions to kind of just, it's nerve wracking, but I don't think it completely ever goes away. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's kind of awesome to hear that, that it, like it never goes away, goes away. And it's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be, it's going to be shit actually. And that's okay. Just keep, just keep plugging away. Um, and then even with Salt Lake Dirt, like you, you're the one who came up with the name for it. I don't know if you remember that. You're like, that's- uh, what about uh, Salt Lake Dirt? That's pretty good, huh? <laughs> I know. I was, I was snickering to a friend. I was like, I just told him to call it Salt Lake Dirt. And, he just like, stupid. and now I'm like, like, oh, God. <laughs> now I'm stuck with it. Cause it's like, <laughs> no, I, think it's, I think it's a great name. I, I like it. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. Well, it kind of popped in my head. I'm like, I kind of like that. I'm going to yeah. go. I don't want to overthink it too much. Just like, just do it and like learn in the process. So I think that's what I got from you with like everything yeah. that I've been trying to do is like, you just got to start because I, I'm, I was always the kind of person who was like, I'm going to wait till it's just right. And then I'll launch whatever. And then I never, my twenties got past me. Like but it's not yeah. just you. It's mo- most people uh, operate like that. They're too scared to dive into something and have their pants totally down in front of other people. And it's the pressure gets really high. You know, it's, it's like there, it never feel, you never feel, I mean, every, Oh my God, every day on, every day on set of Jesus trick, I didn't feel like I belonged and I wrote the damn story, Yeah, you know? And I'm sitting there and Eric just keeps going, going, Hey, Tony, whatever, you know, he kept pulling me aside and asking me questions and we would, you know, and I would have to talk to some of the actors and I had the right answers. But at the same time, I was like, um, I don't even know why they're here. You know, um, why would they even be reading that? I, that thing I wrote down, hopefully they're improving. So we get a good movie out of this. So it's like, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. In the end, I just there's a there's a beauty to diving in and just 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 massively fail. Failures failure is the best way to learn anything. It's true, yeah, so true. And I think like just just like being okay 
was sucking and doing it every day. That sounds really bad out of context, but. Yeah. <laughs> and some ladies make a really good. Do it every day. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, they're just embracing the, um, embracing our imperfections. And, and what I, what I get a lot, especially it's, it's really interesting because I do work with some people over years um, on their novels and, um, and they'll come in saying, oh God, these pages are the worst. And I read them I'm like, no, this is some of your best stuff. It's just, interesting. Yeah, you, need, you need other eyes. You need, right. you need um, but you also need eyes that are safe. You don't need eyes from someone who doesn't read books or who also doesn't write. You kind of have to go, I'm a fan of this person's writing. Yeah. I'm going to give it to them. And they'll tell me exactly why it sucks or what it's working. And I mean, when I, were, you know, I was at, when I was at the San Francisco Chronicle, I did about 500 articles for them. Oh, wow. And, Every article I turned in, I knew they were going to find out that I was a shitty reporter and I was not a good interviewer and they were going to kill it, but they would still give me a fee and just tell me to get lost. And <laughs> even on article 400, I'm just like sitting there going, oh, God, you know, I would wait for the email and they're like, oh, hey, uh, Tony, can you just confirm this date with this date? And I'm all, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah. they got, I, I, you know, it's. It's imposter it's, syndrome. Yeah, that's what exactly what I was gonna say. It's that classic yeah. imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, we all have it. Yeah. And if we if we don't have it, there's something wrong with us. Like those yeah. are the <laughs> the people who think they're it, great. Right. If you don't have it, you're Dave Eggers or you're a liar. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Tony. Hey, um, thank you. This has been great. This is fun, and and yeah. and. and, and the election happened and we're, we're still wow, alive was a, and it was amazing. I, I just can't believe it. I can't just believe that election. Incredible. Damn. I don't wow. know if it's incredible. I don't know. I, it depends <laughs> who wins or who won, I mean, but you know, I guess they're still counting ballots. What are we in January, 2021? So still counting. <laughs> we, we're, we're alive, I think. So that's a good, that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kyler. Okay. See ya.